What's going on? What's going on? What is going on? My name is Richie Roy. With me today, Ryan Janke, Corey Morissette. How's it going, guys? Hello, hello. You guys are listening to the Screening Room Podcast, TSR Podcast. Episode 5. Yeah, we're talking about everything movies. This week, this episode, we're going to be talking about remakes, reboots. Do we like them? Are they necessary? Good ones, bad ones, all our thoughts. Because, man, this summer has been filled with a lot of garbage movies. And we have seen some reboots. We saw there was Tarzan watched. You guys saw Ghostbusters. Um, They should have just remade Independence Day 2 instead of making that disaster of a sequel. Um, How was Ghostbusters? Let's start there. Well, Ryan liked it a lot better than I did. I thought it was just kind of, eh, it was okay. I really liked the cast, and I liked the idea of rebooting Ghostbusters because this is a, a premise that has a lot of promise. You can build a franchise out of this. You could build a universe out of it as opposed to, say, Memento, which is a movie they want to reboot. You know, it's only, what, 15 years old? And it was done pretty well the first time. There's no ne- reason to reboot Memento, whereas Ghostbusters, you can tell new stories with a new cast in Ghostbusters and have it be fun. Yeah, there's a ton of unmined potential in the Ghostbusters franchise. I don't know what there is in Memento we need to go back for. Memento was awesome. Just leave it. Memento was it. awesome. I don't agree with that. It. Don't but touch it. It's like the shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho. Why? Yeah, why? Yeah, I mean, that's why I hear people, they say they want to see a remake of Fistful of Dollars, which, interesting fact, was a remake in mm-hmm. itself. But no, leave it alone. It's an amazing movie. I love that trilogy the way it is. See, the, and there's a new trend now with the soft reboot. We saw it with uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, where it's a sequel, technically, but it's kind of a remake of Episode Four. but it's moving the franchise forward with new characters, and it does it very successfully. J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek did this as well in 2009. It's technically a sequel, but they, through time travel, reboot that whole timeline. You can tell a whole bunch of whole new stories with a new great cast. And you're reintroducing it to a younger crowd that hasn't watched the originals. Exactly. And for all us old-timers that are going to, well, you can't mess with my Ghostbusters, no one's taken away your, your copy of Ghostbusters. You could watch the Bill Murray Ghostbusters anytime you want. I watched Ghostbusters last night. You know, just because I saw the new one, they didn't ask for my old copy at the door. It's still there for you. This is just for a new generation of fans and a new cast, and you can tell some new stories with it. I think it's an interesting answer to the age-old question of sequels is, do you do a uh, derivative remake of the first movie? People will say it's the same as the first one, really not as good. Or do you go a new direction? People will say, well, it wasn't like the first movie. I want more like the first movie. You know, it's a big problem when people have the original in their mind and they know it so well and they love it. It's tough to win that crowd over with a new reboot or a remake. I mean, we see a lot of reboots, remakes in horror movies as a huge genre. Well, they'll do it with almost every horror movie. And I think this is maybe because they, they have access to better um, better CGI, better special effects that you can do on screen. They like to shock people with visuals in horror movies. Sometimes people like to update the stories so that it's relevant to our times. But, I mean, movies like, say, Ghostbusters, they do an interesting thing here. Instead of four guys that are wielding their uh, ray guns, or I can't even remember what they're called. Proton packs. Proton packs. Thank you so much. (laughs) But now you have four women. What's your take on this, Ryan? Well, I would equate this a little bit to uh, the blaxploitation era of the 70s cinema. Now, I don't like the term blaxploitation, so I'm not going to use the term femsploitation, although that is a little bit what happened. But I think that in the 1970s, when they took traditionally white roles and recast them in black roles... It may have been a little exploitive at the time, but it went a long ways towards normalizing the whole concept of black people 
on screen. And I think we're seeing the same thing right now, albeit generations after it should have happened, where we're putting women in traditionally male roles and making that work. And yeah, that might be a bit exploitive on the short term, but if it normalizes the concept of women in these roles like they are in real life, then I think this moves Hollywood forward in a way that should have been done a long time ago. We've heard about it a lot in the news about how female actors are still grossly underpaid compared to their male counterparts. So do you think this is something that is a good thing, the whole female exploitation in these reboots? You're saying it is just to move it along? Well, I'm saying that I hope it is. I mean, it, it may not work out the way I expect it is. It could be a, a negative, and all they're really doing is figuring out a way to make a Ghostbusters movie and save 12 million bucks by paying women and not men in those roles. But what I think is really happening here is that the reason that women get paid less is because the perception exists that movies starring women don't make as much money. And there probably is data to back that up. But that might be kind of a chicken and the egg situation where is it because they don't make very many good movies that way? Or is it because they aren't that good? Or is it because people just don't want to watch them? Once it starts happening and a couple of good ones get under our belt, I think Ghostbusters was pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Then we're going to start seeing that trend just sort of disappear. And, you know, when we're still doing this podcast in 20 years, we'll look back on... Uh, 2016 as kind of the last year when that was the case and we've sort of forgotten about that era of cinema yeah you know you can see younger female actresses coming up making a very big splashy role on screen um i hate to say it Kristen stewart in the in the twilight saga um but you can see, you can even see it as like you got um katniss in the hunger games yeah I jennifer mean, lawrence i would point jennifer to. lawrence yeah. was awesome you can see it with the uh, daisy ridley in Star Wars, that's such an amazing role for young women to inspire them to be very empowered. I mean, it, it's great. She was going to be my point that Daisy Ridley is the lead actress in the highest grossing domestic film of all time. And even to go back a few years, there's a, a, a film that was headlined by a woman where she was pretty much the only cast member in it. That's uh, Sandra Bullock and Gravity that grossed almost $700 million. Like, it was a tremendous success. So I think you're seeing now that women are getting these opportunities, and people are going to the movies because women act just as well as men. Yeah, I saw The Shallows uh, this summer. Not my kind of movie, I'll admit. Richie would have liked it. But, yeah, one woman on screen the entire time carrying the whole thing literally on her back. And, and, doing just, and probably doing better than Redford did. Yeah, fantastic performance. And, you know, it's great to see women. I mean, it's great to see them bust out of just chick flicks. Like, I'll, I'll admit, okay, I'll admit, I said it in the past, there's not a lot of funny women, especially compared to funny men. In that context, I specifically refer to stand-up comedy. We see funny women in TV. We see funny women in Saturday Night Live. I said there's a lot of funny girls out there. I was excited for Ghostbusters because the girls that are cast in this role, they're very funny women. And I laughed my butt off in Bridesmaids, which I thought was a super funny movie. But that one was almost borderline on a chick flick as well, even though it was a two-hour-plus comedy, you know? But now that you're seeing... I think when we see them break out of the chick flick genre, you know, and not just in slasher films where all the girls get stabbed in the back, but when they're actually leading great roles. What was that one great um, um, Meryl Streep movie that came out uh, a couple years ago there where they had the family dinner and all the girls came back and there was... Um, August Osage County. Yeah, that was a great movie. Man, I love that movie. And that was just headed up by some of the most amazing female actors that we have working nowadays. And that was one of my top favorite movies from that year. It was insane. I loved it. And I want to see more of it. There should, there should be more female lead actors. Yeah, you make a very good point. Like, it, it felt like 
at the time of Bridesmaids, they had to put that sort of a chick flick wrapper around it. Even though Bridesmaids, conceptually, maybe seems like a chick flick, but it wasn't in execution at all. No, no. And it now, was a great comedy. Now, the same cast, same director with Ghostbusters, there's not even a whiff of chick flick on this one. And, it's yeah. def- and why Ghostbusters doesn't work in a lot of stretch- stretches is not because of the cast. It's because of a really messy third act that doesn't make any sense, and it, it's about some, some plot problems. And I think it's a little too muddled between reboot and remake, or, or sequel and its own entity, where it's trying to pay too much homage to the first one, but yet be in its own universe. Yeah, I agree completely. The cast is what saves Ghostbusters, and I think they've set themselves up for a fantastic sequel if they can capitalize it and, you know, not remake Ghostbusters 2. That's, that's fantastic to hear. Now, I mean, now, what, what are your guys' feelings? Are your guys' feelings that uh, a, a reboot or a remake from a success, past successful franchise is a good thing? Do you think that's a good thing, or do you think they should just leave the old franchises alone and just work on creating newer franchise, something different? What do you guys think? Because, I mean, we saw the, the Mad Max movie come out, and that was fabulous. See, and that's another soft reboot. It's technically a sequel, but it's with a new Max uh, almost a new world. They they don't even really care about canon because Max in that movie is pining for a, a a lost little girl, whereas in the original Mad Max he had a son that he lost. So that that falls in that soft reboot sequel type category. But there have been straight remakes. Remakes there have been good ones, and one that pops to mind for me is True Grit, because the John Wayne True Grit is very much a John Wayne movie. So good. Whereas the Coen Brothers True Grit is very much true to the book. So, so good. They're uh, both so good. They're though. both excellent in their own right. So a remake, a true remake can be done well and be successful. But nine times out of ten, we're getting bad ones because Hollywood just seems to be out of ideas. And like, well, people like Back to the Future. Let's get, uh, uh, who you know, Zac Efron and redo Back to the Future. Well, you know, I, I've said it before. I mean, these these huge production companies, they're, they're going to be putting a lot of money into these movies. They want a guaranteed return. So when you have a successful franchise already, you have a, a bought audience. It's already paid for and it's already in your pocket. And these companies know that. So that's why they do remake these movies, reboot them. They know they're going to gar- get a guaranteed audience through the door to come and see it. Uh, I mean, when, when I saw Tarzan, I can't remember the last time. What, the last Tarzan movie that was made, it might have been the Disney version, the animated Disney version, right? Which I think in my mind was kind of a flop. It didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't very successful. There was another animated Tarzan film. But apparently there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Tarzan movies that were made way back in the 50s, 60s. There was a Tarzan in 2013. I didn't even know that. Yeah, you see what I mean? And it comes and it goes. And and But, but the whole Tarzan character has been a multi-million dollar character, a huge franchise. So if they were trying to get it going again, they don't have that paid for. They don't have that bought audience. This franchise is so old. This character is so old. It's almost like they are starting from scratch. And in my opinion, when I watched the movie, I loved it. And I bit hard on it. And I'm totally sold on the franchise. You can make two, three, four, five, six more Tarzan movies. Because not only is the character so intriguing and the story is written so well that you can do pretty much anything with this character, but it was acted well. It looked great on screen. Everything for me was working. It was firing on all cylinders. And it's a shame to see that it kind of flopped in North America. Yeah, I think another good example of uh, that sort of franchise is Sherlock Holmes. I mean, public domain character, no studio owns him. Anyone can make a Sherlock Holmes movie anytime they want. And Guy Ritchie comes along with a good set of actors, a good story. It makes a couple of good movies, very much like Tarzan. That's right. Why do we see so many Batman reboots? Well, I, I think that sometimes they make these things for the wrong reason, right? Like, they'll 
they made True Grit because they had a great idea for how they could do their own take on this. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, they made Amazing Spider-Man because they had to make another Spider-Man movie or they were going to lose the rights. Um, Batman kind of falls someplace in between. A little bit like what Disney's doing with Star Wars, although Disney's doing better with it. There is just so, so much money to be made with Batman that they can't not make a movie. All right, we've got, a, we've got our bot customers, our prepaid customers already. We know people are going to come through the door if we put Batman on screen yet again. Well, if there's a Batman movie that comes out next month, are you going to pay to see it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Corey? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, see, and that's so a lie. And that's the thing. They don't need to make them good, to be honest. They could make a lot of bad Batman movies before we'd stop going. Yeah. You, you know one type of successful uh, uh, film remake that we see lots and usually does fairly well is something based off a, fo a foreign film. A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. The Departed is a good one for the that. The Departed. Excellent. Same idea. You know what I mean? These movies seem to work really well. And maybe that's one reason why I was so disappointed was, uh, was it, was it um, 12 Samurais with Keanu Reeves? Mm. Something like that. Well, how many, that's a good point. How many of our classic Western movies are actually just samurai movies remade with guns, uh, swords? You see them lots. They happen lots. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it happens all the time. Uh, but, but, I mean, we don't get exposed to so many foreign films um, that it's great that they can bring them over into North America. And I think it works so well is because the story's been told maybe in writing once, then it's been told in cinema in a foreign film, and they know they had good success with it. Now we're bringing it to North America. People are seeing it for the first time, and that's why it works so well. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's a little easier to adapt a foreign film into a domestic film than, say, a book into a film where it's a different medium. I would imagine that it is, although I have no personal experience here. You know, I knew Richie was going to bring this up because his favorite movie of all time is based on a French film, and that's Three Men and a Baby. Back to the Future? No, Three Men and a Baby. Mon Dieu. That was French? <laughs> yeah. Well, Three Men and a Baby was the Americanized version. Three Men in a Cradle was the French version. That I'm so before. glad Back to the Future wasn't based on Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so retarded for saying that. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> okay, so Three Men and a Baby is actually a remake. Yes. That's what you're saying? Yes, it is. Based off of a foreign film? A French film, yep. And they put Tom Selleck in it. And who else was in that movie? Paul Ted, Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg. Directed by Leonard Nimoy. I am, I'm almost thinking it's time for a remake of Three Men and a Baby. We need a remake of the remake of the French film. We could do it. I would probably cast Matt Damon. He'd be one of the dads. Um, Kevin Hart and The Rock. Kevin Hart would be absolutely <laughs> awesome. Uh, did you guys... Directed by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need this to be a mass disaster. Well, it'd be a disaster, all right. <laughs> oh, man, those diaper scenes are going to be intense. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, you, you know, you can reboot these movies, and I think if you do it right, I think casting plays a huge role in it. Totally. That's why Star Wars worked, right? Uh, yeah. The new cast is the reason you can overlook another Death Star, and you can overlook, oh, it's another desert plot. It's yeah. the pretty much plot point for plot point, episode four. But you care so much about the new cast and their original storylines in that, you forgive all that stuff. I think Star Wars might be a bit of an exception just because there's a whole generation of filmmakers out there right now who are inspired by Star Wars to get into the business. Mm -hmm. So when they get a chance to make a movie, and I think Disney intends to have a Star Wars movie in theaters basically every year from now until they stop making money, um, there's a lot of directors out there with their own creative idea for how they could do their own take on Star Wars, and we're going to get to see a lot of them just because 
like Richie said, it's a built-in audience, and people will show up every single time. Gareth Edwards is next with uh, Rogue One, and the sizzle reel just came out this past weekend. Did you guys uh, get a chance to check that out? Haven't seen it yet. I'm kind of going into shutdown mode. I do this with every movie I get excited to see. Once I'm sold on it, the idea that I'm going to go buy a ticket, I cut myself off from all trailers, all news info, and I keep myself blinded until I go in to watch it on screen. So I haven't see, seen it. I've quit doing that. Like I used to go to great lengths to stay spoiler-free. I've told the story before how I saw the soundtrack for Star Wars Episode One. And there was enough spoilers in the titles of the tracks. I figured out the entire movie, which admittedly wasn't hard with episode one. But I, I tried for a very long time to stay spoiler free on all of those films. But I've kind of come to the conclusion that, and Corey will point out the examples here. I know there are some, but I don't think spoilers ruin movies nearly as much as people give them credit for. Now, you know, I don't go through great lengths to avoid seeing all this stuff and spoilers and whatnot. It's just I don't make an effort to go research it and find out what's the latest news on Suicide Squad or what's the latest news on the next Purge okay, movie. Okay, okay, I, I agree with I mean? you on that. I will watch all the trailers that come out for Rogue One, and then I'll go see the movie because I don't think the trailers are going to spoil it to me quite so much. Even if they do, I don't think that that will ruin the film. Yeah, I, yeah. Saw, I saw Spider-Man in the trailer for Civil War. It did not wreck it for me. It made me incredibly more excited, but I didn't go out and searching for this trailer to find out what new characters were going to be in Civil Yeah, War. I mean, there's watching the trailers when you see them in front of another movie or watching them on YouTube, and then there's going and reading the Wikipedia article about the whole plot of the movie two weeks before it comes out. Rarely does a, uh, a trailer give away the entire movie. Batman v Superman is the one that I can point to that gave away the entire arc uh, of that film and, and ruined it. And you look at a movie like Ghostbusters had some of the worst trailers I've ever seen, but I ended up liking the movie more than I liked the trailer. So even a bad trailer won't sully a good movie. I was trying to figure out the bad guy for Kindergarten Cop 2 from the trailer. It's Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> it's got to be Spoiler Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> I still haven't seen it yet. Please phone in or uh, write it up on our Facebook page if you've seen Kindergarten Cop Part 2 and you know who the bad guy is. Anyone anyone out there seen Kindergarten anyone? Cop Part 2? Anyone? Bueller? Nine? No. Nope. But I mean, remakes work so well um, when they're done properly. And there's such a huge chance that they can fail and flub. And, you know, and it's sad to see when that actually happens. Now, I have a whole bunch of horror movies that I love the remakes to, that they've done a, such a great job. My number one favorite being The Ring, uh, based a remake off of the foreign film. Have I gone out to see the foreign film now that I've watched the American version? No, no, I haven't. I haven't made that effort, you know, wanting to see the original, seeing what it's like, because the uh, seeing the ring is so perfect inside my mind. Uh, to me, it was it scared me the most out of any movie I've ever seen. Mind you, I had a lot of ephedrine uh, going through my system at the time. <laughs> so my heart was pounding to begin with. But I mean, I'd like to leave it just there inside of my mind and leave that nugget as it is. Now, unlike a movie like Godzilla, which is a huge franchise, and then we all got excited and we watched Matthew Broderick's version destroy all our hopes and oh. dreams. And now it was rebooted again with, I think, was an amazing job on the Godzilla franchise. And yet we see another Godzilla movie, a foreign Godzilla movie coming out with the big rubber suit type of Godzilla. This just, it's starting to boggle my mind. Well, this happens every time we make a North American Godzilla movie. Toho immediately makes one in Japan to try and reestablish their character because they don't like the way Hollywood handles it. And I guess that's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well said. You know, but um, yeah, I mean, and you know what? You even see, uh, you even see reboots 
all, all across the board, not just from like an old 1950s movie rebooted into a 2016 movie. Man, I've seen some movies where they're done very poorly, and two years later, they'll remake it almost immediately because they think that the first one was done very poorly and it can be done well again. And that, Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> I keep hearing this yeah. Fantastic Four thing. Another example of one they just have to keep making that movie because they'll lose the rights if they don't. And at this point, I don't even think Fox really wants to have the rights to Fantastic Four. They just don't want Disney to get them back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was trying to think of some of my favorite reboots, remakes, uh, where I've seen the original as well as the reboot and the remake. And, uh, f- oh, man, uh, the, the name just automatically slips my mind all of a sudden. Um, Jack Nicholson movie, Cape Fear. There we go. Cape Fear. I think you mean uh, Robert De Niro? Yes, Robert yeah. De Niro. Robert sorry. Mitchum. Ro- yeah, Robert Mitchum, Robert De Niro. Um, abs- I, I love both movies. Well, it helps when you get Martin Scorsese to direct the remake. It's not like you're remaking Point Break, like that was terrible, or Arthur with Point Russell Brand. Remaking Point Break? Wasn't that called The Matrix? No, they did a... a oh, sorry. La- sorry Fast, and Furious? Year, Fast and Furious? <laughs> no, there was actually a Point Break remake with a, with a Bodie and a bank robbers wearing masks and doing extreme stunts. It's, it's terrible. That's right. Monsters, Inc. and The Matrix were remakes of each other. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, but, but yeah, no, I enjoy, really enjoyed Cape Fear. Uh, Father of the Bride... I, I must say, I enjoyed the original and the remake equally as much. Well, that's kind of a generational movie. Like, you can make that every 25, 30 years for a new audience. And should they? I think they should. A- another one they can do that with is Ocean's Eleven, because the, the Rat Pack version actually isn't a very good movie. It was just an excuse for four guys to drink together all day. But the remake with uh, George Clooney and, and uh, Matt Damon and all that was really good. And now they're talking about uh, re- rebooting it again with an all-female cast, and that could be interesting. Is this the same kind of idea that you do, like, say, with the movie The Nutty Professor and Flubber? Robin Williams was one of the biggest comedy stars on screen. Let's give him show as a nutty professor creating Flubber and bring it to our generation. Is that kind of the same idea? Like, let's have our modern-day stars take over of the big stars back in the past. We haven't seen that generation. Let's do it again. Yeah, Flubber was popular in the 50s, so let's bring it back with a, a big-name star from now. And Nutty Professor worked because Eddie Murphy was a big star at the time. It was actually funny. But uh, a lot could, of times those can flop, too. You could argue they've been doing that with James Bond for years. That's true. And I think we'll probably see that eventually with superhero movies. I mean, they've how many Batmans have there been? How many Supermans have there been? There's only been one Iron Man. But we're coming up on a new one pretty but quick, We're coming up on a new one. Yeah. And they're going to have to start doing that with all of them because, I mean, they want to keep telling these stories for a long time. They want to keep making the money for a long time, but they can't keep counting on the same actors. Yeah. They're already setting up a new uh, Captain America, too, because Chris Evans uh, won't be doing these movies forever. So, Yeah, no. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I, I'll still go and pay and see them when, when they come out. I mean, yeah, your Ocean Eleven's point with the Rat Pack, that was a really good point, you know. I mean, I'm never going to go and watch a, um, a remake of an Adam Sandler film. Probably I wouldn't not. watch an original Adam Sandler film. <laughs> isn't isn't every Adam Sandler film a remake of the previous Adam Sandler Pretty film? Pretty sure you're right, yeah. Ryan. It's called I Need a Vacation Part 4 and Hire My Friends. There's a storyteller's argument one might make, and I'm not going to really make it myself, but I've heard people say that there really only are about 12 different stories in the world, and everything's just a variant on that. I think there's a bit of truth to that. I mean, a lot of times you'll make a movie that maybe isn't exactly a remake, but it's the same thing. Like... This is a bit of a deep cut here, and I apologize for that. But I watched a uh, um, movie called Over the Top, 
with uh, Sly Stallone? Yeah, the arm starring movie? Stallone. It's an arm wrestling movie where he drives a truck. It's a good show. It's a B movie, but it's a good show. And then uh, later that same day, I went to the theater and watched Real Steel. <laughs> it's the same it's movie. It's the exact same movie. Like I liked both of them. That's my guilty. Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, over the top is really over the top. Top Gun and Days of Thunder. <laughs> same actor, so it's kind of obvious. But I don't know if they really intended to make the same movie twice. But it just happened because it's a fairly simple, uh, basic storyline. Yeah, well said. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 but, you know, it, what's really incredible is when I see these remakes being made um, by different directors, obviously by different directors, but, I mean, they go in such a different style. And takes it in such a different direction that you didn't think it was going to happen. My, I'm, I'm getting on the point of Rob Zombie doing Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween. You know, there's a more extreme example than that, and that's George Lucas uh, pretty much remaking Seven Samurai and putting it in space and calling it Star Wars. Yeah, you could say that. That was pretty insane. The John Carpenter, uh, Rob Zombie Halloweens, they're similar enough in, in execution and uh, in, in storyline. Stylistically, though. You know, stylistically, because you see, a, you see a lot of you see a lot of horror movies being remade, and they're done almost in the same style, just with an updated cinematographer and modern day cast. Like members. Friday the Thirteenth, like that didn't bring anything to the Friday the Thirteenth table. It was just a slasher movie with uh, yeah, new, young, you, you, you see it happen all the time. House of Wax. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah, The Hills Have Eyes. I mean, you can go on forever and ever naming all these horror movie genres that are be remade. Um, but no, they're, they're not really doing it. To be me. fair to George Lucas, there's a lot of movies that are Seven Samurai. Yeah, like, and that's to your point of there's only 12 stories out in the world. The Hero's Journey is one of the most popular ones, and that's Seven Samurai, that's Star Wars, that's, geez, pretty much anything you can name nowadays. Now, with the last Indiana Jones movie as such a disaster that it is, and now they want There's a remake of a car crash. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was, and it looked like a great car crash if you're looking for great car crashes on film. But I'm saying when they're coming out with the new Indiana Jones, which is apparently going to be a younger Indiana Jones. No, this is still old Indy. He's going to be, what, 77 when they when this movie comes out in 2019. But it, it's going to be the bridge film. He's going to somehow pass the torch to the next generation. Played by who, Corey? Uh, anyone but Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Was it going to be, um, was it going to be, uh, oh man, how, I'm drawing a blank. I'm thinking of Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, yeah. sure. Uh, that, that's the rumor, but I don't know. And th this, Spielberg saying he's not killing Indiana Jones. Uh, this is not going to be the passing of the torch type film, but Disney's kind of saying there will be a franchise after this movie in what direction they go, soft reboot, remake, they don't know yet. Right, so Spielberg's intention is to have Indiana Jones ride off into the sunset. I think so, which uh, he did in again. Last Crusade. <laughs> So is that another excuse to make a reboot or re remake a film because the last one did so horribly? Maybe for Spielberg because I don't think he wants to go out on that note. Like that is by far his worst movie. And if, this is the guy who made 1941. If anyone has seen the South Park episode about this, everyone will know <laughs> what I'm talking about. pretty much nails it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really get the idea. And I heard this rumor and it totally makes sense to me that the whole thing with the aliens was really what Lucas put in. And Lucasfilm owned it. So he had the final say. So... I get the idea that uh, Spielberg was not comfortable with that, that Harrison Ford is not comfortable with that, and they really want to make their own movie now that Disney's in charge, and Lucas really has no say in it anymore. Well, Lucas is Spielberg's best friend, and he was always in charge of the story, so Steven's always, yeah, whatever you say, George. Like, we'll do it. You, you want to put Indy in a fridge and have him be nuked out? Yeah, that's fine. We'll, 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 we'll shoot it. You're, you're my buddy. But yeah, as Spielberg has said, the hardest movies to make for him are sequels. Because you can never make it as good as the original. And he always thinks, oh, this is going to be brilliant. And then it comes out and it's crap. You look at Lost World, uh, a terrible sequel. 
Uh, Crystal Skull is a terrible sequel. Like he doesn't do a lot of sequels even, for that very reason. Even Hook is kind of a sequel. Yeah, it's, it's a sequel even, to Peter Pan. A sequel to one of his movies, but it's a sequel. Yeah. It definitely is a sequel. And yeah. it, it's it's his, one of his weaker films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is there are there any movies out there that you guys would love to be see rebooted or remade? Back to the Future because they really dropped the ball the first time they made those movies. That's a good premise. They can make that good, but you got we need a good cast. Come on. I'm just pulling your Just chain, digging hard right into my heart. <laughs> that, that's when I that's one that they could remake cuz there's a lot of potential there, but I hope they don't just because I have such fondness for the originals. Yeah, uh, to take this question the wrong direction altogether. Uh, one movie that I would love to see remade would be The Princess Bride, but please don't ever let that happen no. because they'll never catch light in a bottle again with that one. Princess Bride is perfect. The, the cast is perfect. The writing is perfect. Yeah. Direction is perfect. E- even the the rodents of unusual size, the little people in the in the costumes, it's perfect. Don't yeah, touch they it. can't do that again. If I were going to say one thing, I would like to see brought back. Um, let's make another Masters of the Universe movie. Yeah, and it really, we don't have to worry about screwing that franchise up because that's already been done. <laughs> so there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, for as much as I loved the original Conan movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow, did they ever drop the ball in that remake? Well, they're doing a new Conan now, right? Uh, Schwarzenegger's in it. He's King Conan. Yeah, this is basically the King Conan movie, and it's it's good because he's age appropriate for that story. Yeah, I I'm excited to see that movie. That'll be a good movie. And again, I, that could act as that sequel slash soft reboot where you can bring in a younger cast, tell more stories with a younger cast, but keep it in canon as a sequel to the original, like Mad okay. Max, like Star Wars, etc. Okay, I'm gonna throw a curveball here because I heard this rumor. Uh, Warren Beatty wants to make another Dick Tracy movie. Right. And I've read some of the original Dick Tracy comics. That thing ran for like 50 years. So there is Dick Tracy in space, and that is part of the source material. And the Dick Tracy movie, I was really looking forward to it when it came out in 1990, I think it was. It was really kind of a letdown. It was okay, but it wasn't great. So if there's a great Dick Tracy movie out there, I'm all for it because we didn't get it the first time around. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, that was my introduction to the character in 1990, and I went back and read some of the uh, source material. It hits way, way better than that movie. You yeah. know what? It, it's interesting because Dick Tracy back then, and I remember this, the coolest thing, he had a telephone on his watch. Yep. That was a thing in the Dick Tracy world that was not in our world, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And now if you got a guy running around in a yellow trench coat and a yellow hat, you're expecting to see Curious George on his back, and you're going to say, he's got a, a phone on his watch? How useless is that? Yeah, now when, can- now when you go to a movie and you see somebody with a phone on your watch, you're pissed off because they should put that away while you're watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is, you know. So the, it definitely needs an update. You know, I mean, there are a lot of fabulous characters back from the 50s. I mean, take a look at Buck Rogers. Why have we not seen a big Buck Rogers movie on screen? Why have we? He was one of the most successful uh, TV heroes way back in the day. Well, we, we have. It's called Star Wars. Not exactly, no, man. Don't no. be surprised. Like, they're bringing back Buckaroo Banzai. That's going to be a Kevin Smith uh, series on Amazon now. So th- those older properties from back, like Bucker, uh, Buck Rogers was big in the 80s. I remember having a couple of his action figures when I was in grade school. I never did see the, the show or anything, but don't be surprised if that's coming down the pike at some point. They tried to reboot Lost in Space for crying out loud. So They, yeah. did, they, did, uh, they did The Phantom. You remember when that came oh, out? Yeah. The Phantom? I mean, that was a TV series the same time as Buck Rogers came out. Right. And yeah. Well, these things are cheap because they're always one of two things. Either they're public domain or the studio already owns them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm still waiting for a Johnny Quest movie. I've said it multiple times on this TV show. And I've heard the latest rumors that Dwayne Johnson is going to be in a big screen Johnny Quest. But they say Dwayne Johnson's going to be in every movie, even yeah. Three Men and a Little Baby. I heard that rumor somewhere. We just started that rumor on this uh, podcast here. Tonight, it's official actually. now. It's, <laughs> it's going to spread like wildfire. You Him watch. and Kevin Hart. And who's the other one we said? Um, well, I don't Paulie Shore. I, I, don't know. I think we get Michael Fassbender, The Rock. Fassbender would own that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely own that movie. Fassbender can do anything. No, let, let's let's recast this with women. Three women and a baby. Yes, that's right. Because we need to have the, I the want new Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, and no, Oprah. we can't do Kristen Wiig and, and Melissa McCarthy. They've already been in the other reboots. We need fresh women, fresh faces. But it doesn't make sense for them to be to be a, you know clueless about a baby. It has to be about something else. It's like they're starting their own football pool. Yeah, three, now, three Richie, chicks in a fantasy football team. Th that's exactly what the movie <laughs> has know, to be. That's exactly the attitude we're trying to get rid of here. Yes. I would absolutely pay to see uh, Kristen Stewart, Jennifer Lawrence, and uh, Nupita Leongo completely clueless, having no idea how to raise a baby because the gender stereotype says they should. I'd watch that movie. But Seriously, that's why let's 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 call Paramount right now and pitch this. But that's why <laughs> three men and a baby worked because they never thought that three men there. You know, one's a busy business successful guy, and another guy was just an average Joe guy. I can't even remember the movie. But no one expected three men to raise a baby. Listen, man, I as a stay-at-home dad, I deal with this stereotype daily and i struggle with this and i'm not even joking that that it's been a long time and i, I find it really hard about this being a stay-at-home dad because not a lot of us guys that i can talk to so when you see three men and a baby everyone has that stereotype and they know that three men can't take care of a baby this must be a funny movie we should go and watch it but if you're saying three women and a baby well then it's kind of like well whose baby was it but doesn't that concept know. work just as well with three women having the same problems you would expect three men to have i think if anything that works better and probably does more to my earlier point about moving forward away from these gender stereotypes in movies for the record you're all wrong three men and a baby worked because of steve gutenberg that's it we know you're a stone cutter <laughs> Corey. short circuit is the greatest movie ever so what you're saying is is you need three women that are very and unlikely to have a baby. If you put Gutenberg in there, it'll work. Make him the baby. Ooh. Three men and an old lady. Or an old man. <laughs> three three women and, and an old Three women and Steve <laughs> Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a 90s porn film. Three women and Gutenberg. Rated R. What if we had the original baby actor from the movie? Can we do that? Can we just have, like, Macaulay Culkin and the baby? Can that work? That, that doesn't work, does It'll it? It'll work for crack. <laughs> <laughs> listen all i'm saying is that yeah you can remake this movie uh i think a remake of three men and the baby would work good the fem the fem exploitation side of it i don't know if it would fly i don't think it would i really don't uh, I'm, I'm looking to see if there's a imdb credit for the baby for i three think men and a baby i think it can work and is this bad of me for saying i th i can think it can work if maybe they are all like 17 year old girls they just graduated high school and now they have this baby maybe that can work at that angle well maybe they're just they're all career women they're not the kind of women who uh, would really plan to have kids at least at this point in their lives i can definitely I think see that, that works i think that I, works just fine that's no different than three men really it, yeah you know what good point I can totally see that. Jennifer Lawrence in like this woman's power suit. You know what I mean? She's busy. She's an executive. She's got people to take care of. And she doesn't know how to change a diaper. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. 
I bet this movie actually happens and we don't get a writer's credit on it. I'll feel d- very disappointed if that happens. We need an happens. all-female version of Das Boot. Interesting. Let's pitch that. Interesting. <laughs> You're really talking about breaking barriers now. <laughs> I can see the walls coming down around us already. Um, you know what? I almost just said all-female Rocky, but Million Dollar Baby kind of was that movie. A little bit, yeah. Until the end. Then it just got really depressing. It was still that's, a, that's what made it great, though. Still a yeah. fabulous movie. Can we do a remake of Free Willy with a different type of animal? With a goldfish? Free Willy was a fabulous movie. Uh, we could totally remake that. Okay, not penguins, though. No, I can't <laughs> imagine a penguin. Ryan is, over has been wall. very anti-penguin for quite a while now. Ever since March of the Penguins, he's just been... Enough with the penguins. And Happy Feet really took the icing on the cake for Oh, him. God, you want to tick Ryan off. Just mention Happy Feet. He'll go off on a 40-minute <laughs> His diet face try. is turning red right now. <laughs> I see his fists are clenched, and I'm sitting just moving slightly away from him. What's the best movie you guys have seen this summer so far? Just I say this, this all this the summer? Time. Yeah, this summer. It's probably got to be Captain America. And, like, it's not super great, but it was it was uh, a little bit better than Finding Dory. Finding Dory. I'm... You know what? I really like Ghostbusters. I said Captain America didn't work for me. Probably my favorite movie so far is Zootopia. I said that last week, I think. But yeah, know, and that's more of a that didn't come out in the summer though. That's why I had to qualify because Deadpool, you could say, is one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Well, when did it January. come out? Because I thought I saw that. Now, De- was Deadpool, Deadpool was in the spring. It was early spring. Was that January? It was January. It was January. Yeah. It was okay, really early spring, as in dead of winter spring. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say Life of Pets. And that's sad to say because it's not an outstanding, off-the-wall, amazing animated feature film. But, man, were there a lot of things that made me laugh in this movie. And I've ranted about not being able to find a lot of good comedies. It's tough. But, man, Kevin Hart, he's really at the top of his game right now. And to listen to him do voice work as a small bunny rabbit called Snowball that got ditched by his magician because rabbits were out. Um, that character was absolutely hilarious and I laughed nonstop through the film and it really worked for me and I would, I would definitely take my kids to that again. Uh, the animated minion short out of the start of the movie was quite hilarious as well. Um, it it really worked for me and I haven't seen Finding Dory yet and I do plan to get to it. It's good. But this is obviously the summer of animated kids films and not big action movies for grown-ups. Well, Finding yeah, Dory is the highest-grossing film of the year right now. It passed Captain America this, what, two weeks ago, I guess, almost now? Yeah. We're only... I'm not saying it's going to pass Finding Dory or Captain America, but as far as action movies go, we're only hours away from Star Trek right now. And, yeah, you know what? I, okay, I'm glad you said that, because this brings me up uh, brings up another point that I, I, I want to talk about with you guys. What is your feeling on trailers that use pop songs in their trailers. And we're talking about the, the disastrous Star Trek trailer with the, the Beastie Boys on the, uh, you know, over top of that. And, and it totally didn't work for me. I, I didn't see, I, I didn't get any of it. And, and I just recently saw Suicide Squad with uh, some Queen, with a Queen song. That one did work. I thought that was a great trailer. That one worked for you because it didn't work for me. I loved it. Even the, the Suicide Squad uh, Ballroom Blitz trailer I thought was really good but that's a movie that that it can do that Star Trek I think is a little too out there to put Beastie Boys to a Star Trek trailer but for something like Suicide Squad I thought it worked very well did the Suicide Squad need to use two Wayne's World songs apparently yeah possibly it it is a Wayne's World remake it seems that way I noticed (laughs) I kind of noticed that Killer Croc is Wayne and uh 
I'm, I'm totally feeling the vibes. But, you know, li- listen, Stacy is definitely Harley Quinn. And the, <laughs> the, the Joker is Garth. This totally. Def- definitely got to yeah. be Garth. He's channeling uh, Garth, you could tell, with the Aerosmith T-shirt. And but but what, what, what I'm saying is, is if to me, music is such a huge part of the movie. If you're writing a memorable score, it's probably going to be in the trailer. I nope. think back to... Not true, because most of the time you're getting scores from other movies when you're watching the trailer. Very rarely do you get the actual score of that movie in the trailer because it's not done yet. You're listening to a score from a different movie. And usually made by a different director. Like, I remember Justin Lin was not happy about that Star Wars trailer. Or Star, or Trek, Star trailer. Trek trailer. Like, he, especially, I don't think it was the music he hated so much, although I didn't hear him comment on that. Maybe he did. But I think it was the motorcycle. He's like, oh, why did that have to be in the trailer? Yeah, people don't realize a lot of the filmmakers have no say in the trailers. It's usually the, the, the film company that puts the trailers together, and they don't have access to any of the music because it hasn't been scored yet. So they'll pick a score from a different movie and, and plop it on. How important is the trailer for getting people to buy a ticket at the movie theater? Not very anymore because Ghostbusters had a terrible trailer. Everybody hated it. It's the most hated trailer in YouTube history, and it was still open to over $40 million this past week. Yeah, weekend. it's doing quite well. But a trailer when done right, and the last one I think that was a, you know, out of the ballpark success with Star Wars. We keep going back to Force Awakens, but that trailer was amazing. And Suicide Squad is now putting out some very good trailers and building buzz. If it's an unknown property, like uh, Gardens of the Galaxy had two great trailers with a great song, right? Hooked on a Feeling. That got people out to the to the theater. But if it's a, an established property, they're going to go regardless. Guardians of the Galaxy, Hooked on a Feeling was actually in the movie. Yeah. Like, that was part of the soundtrack, so that made sense. I don't know if that Beastie Boys song is going to be in Star Trek. It was in the first Star Trek movie, bit of an anachronism, but whatever, it worked. Mm-hmm. So maybe it will be. I have no idea. But but again, Justin Lin did cut that trailer. Somebody in at Paramount cut it, and some higher up approved it. Justin Lin probably didn't even see it till it was released. I don't know. I just feel on on an average, for the most part, when I hear uh, you know. Uh, a great classic tune or a recent pop hit song. I mean, if I go and watch a trailer uh, for The Purge and I see Uptown Funk in the trailer, it's going to turn me off a lot. Is it going to stop you from going to the movie, though? (sighs) No. Maybe it is a benefit because maybe it brings my expectations down so low that when I watch the movie, the only place I can go is up. And I say, that movie wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Especially a movie like The Purge. Does the song in the trailer really matter? Because that's just a one note uh, for 12 hours, all murder is legal. Like, it's, it's a very simple premise. It's a very simple horror movie. Who, who You don't really care what the song if is. If it was the original, it would change my mind. If it was the original Purge. It's, we're on Purge 3 right now. You can play whatever. You can play a Megan Trainor song in there, and I'd still go see The Purge Part 3. I hate Megan Trainor. I loathe her songs so much. Maybe We're not, not going to turn this pers- podcast into your personal hatred for Megan Trainor. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, I, I, I like Megan Trainor as a person and for what she stands for, but the music that gets produced, I just, I can't stand it. It is overproduced garbage music. This is not the right podcast for it. But what I'm saying is, is that if I saw a song that I really, really hated on Purge Part Three, I'm still going to go see it on Purge Part One. It might change my point of view. You know, I might go see a different. Uh, you know, second-rate horror movie. It would be interesting to collect some data on this. I wouldn't be at all surprised, though, to find out that 
the quality of the trailer or what's done in the trailer or how close the trailer is to the movie has very little to do with its effectiveness. And what's more important is just how many eyes they put it in front of. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that if you had ACDC's Thunderstruck for the trailer of Terminator Part 1, it's going to completely change that movie for me entirely. If I was if I had watched that trailer over and over again, and now I'm coming in to see Terminator. Yeah, I think that's actually more important for trailers is they might set up your mindset walking into the theater. And if you are going in expecting that uh, Ang Lee's 19, or 2003 Hulk movie was actually not a bad movie, but they build that thing as an action movie. And everyone went in expecting an action Hulk movie and got something completely different, and that's why everyone hated it. Yes, well said. I mean, you can go back and watch the trailers for Dumb and Dumber, and it was, it was suitable, and everything worked for that movie. Yeah. Anytime they try and sell a movie as something it's not, they've set the audience up for disappointment. Ready for failure right off the bat. Well, I know Richie's lying because his lips are moving. Megan Trainer. Oh, man. <laughs> Just digging, you digging, know, digging. You're, you're grasping. Uh, this idea has been bouncing around my head for a couple of minutes now. I would pay to see Dana. Megan Trainer and three women and a baby? She's the baby. I, I would, that, that could work. Corey, can you Sorry. turn off Richie's mic? <laughs> <laughs> I would pay to see Dana Carvey's Joker. That would I, be interesting. I'm, I'm suddenly totally on board with this. I'm going to pay money to see Dana Carvey do almost anything. His variety show was one of the greatest things ever. Him and Steve Carell did a sketch where it was just Germans shouting nice things. <laughs> like, it's a pleasure babysitting Kevin. <laughs> it, it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> Is it too soon to have Dave Chappelle back on the big screen? Did he do a movie? Uh, he was in Con Air. I, I'll ask again. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too... Can, can we get... Can, can we, we get, get a remake of Con Air? Can we get great With comedians? Melissa McCarthy? Can we get great comedians on screen again? Um, Kevin Hart is proof that it works. He's an amazing comedic actor. I think he's he's the guy bringing comedies back in style. Uh, other famous stand-up comedians, I'd love to see him on on TV. Um, Russell Peters, they have tried so many times, and he is awful in front of a camera. And that just does not work. Well, they maybe maybe that's not the direction a lot of these guys want to go now. Like, they're making a lot of money and having some great success doing their stand-up shows as Netflix specials. There's a very uh, a good argument that it destroyed Eddie Murphy's career when he did movies. Counterpoint: People said that it was the best thing Eddie Murphy could have done was getting into movies. Um, you can go either way on it. Well, his movie career was so hot and cold. Like for every Beverly Hills Cop, uh, there was a uh, Norbit. Pluto Nash, Man uh. on the Moon. I love that movie. <laughs> Just garbage, but I love it anyway. Is that equivalent to Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised if I know they had the same director. I don't know who made either one of those movies. He was Vampire in Brooklyn, Eddie Murphy. and He was in Trading Places, which is one of the great 80 comedies of all time. It was fantastic. But then he went out and did, you know, uh, Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I mean, stuff like this blows my mind, you know, when I see stuff like that happen. He'll and be in Shrek 5, though. <laughs> they announced Shrek 5 this week, so. And he's awesome for what? a voice actor. Yeah. He was the best donkey that I could imagine. I couldn't imagine a better donkey. So who's broke, Eddie Murphy or Mike Myers? DreamWorks Animation, actually. They sold their animation department to, I think it was Universal, and they own Illumination, who did Minions and Secret Life of Pets. So the guy who is in charge of Illumination is going to be taking over DreamWorks Animation, and they're doing an original uh, comedy and uh, uh, Shrek 5. There is a uh, film that just does not need to happen. Okay, last thing I want to say on remake reboots. 
Do you remake or reboot a cult film? Like Rocky Horror Picture Show. They are. Uh, it's going to be a Fox special though, right? Uh, this is a made-for-TV movie? Yeah. I was actually reading something on it today. Uh, one of the... Uh, well, the transgender actress from uh, Orange is the New Black, I believe, is taking the Tim Curry role. So I guess this is more of a timely thing with that particular cult movie. Yeah. It depends. On, like, I don't think you can remake The Big Lebowski. That, that's a cult movie. It spawned its own religion. That's one that, well, maybe in 30 years they might try and remake it. Who knows? But It'll Ro happen eventually. Yeah, Rocky Horror is old enough that maybe that's why now it's starting to happen. Well, it's been done in so many other mediums, too, that it doesn't even seem so weird. What about something that hasn't been, like office space? An all-female office space. <laughs> now we're on to something. Queen Latifah, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, man. No, you lost and me. Queen Meryl Latifah. And Jame Duty Dench. Melissa, seriously, we are on to no. something here. Melissa no, McCarthy no. in the Milton role. She yep. would kill it. She would that. be perfect as Milton. That'd she be would great. just chew the scenery in that. And can we have <laughs> Daisy Ridley be the star of this movie? Yes, <laughs> yes. I am on board. I would I would pay top dollar to see that movie. And Dame Judy Dench has to be the stoner neighbor. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> if you had a million dollars, what would you do? Two dudes. I do two dudes. <laughs> I, I I think Richie, I think it's funnier if you don't change the line. Well Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Two dames. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I like it. I, you know what I mean? See, this is something you can't update and you can pull off. Who do we pitch this to? Remake of a cult film with all female leads. I uh, like it. I'm all in on let's an all-female office space. Let's get Mike Judge on the show next week. <laughs> is he still alive? Is he still working? He is doing the funniest show on TV right now, He's Silicon doing Valley. Silicon Valley. Which is amazing. Everyone's got to watch Silicon Valley. It's one of the best shows on TV. I haven't seen it. It's one of those forgotten gems, I guess. That I've It's on HBO right after Game of Thrones. I don't have HBO, and I feel like I'm left in this dark, dirty cave, <laughs> and I can barely see the light. You're missing it, good it's stuff. It's everybody man. else that's talking about it in the previews, and I, I, I still haven't watched it. So Game of Thrones is bigger than any movie franchise other than Star Wars right now, it seems like, or Marvel. Like Game of Thrones was massive this year. Yeah, the internet almost shut down when Game of Thrones announced that it was only going to be seven episodes next season, <laughs> and they weren't going to start till summer. Yeah. We have to wait longer for season seven? Are you kidding? Wait longer for less? This is terrible news. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I might have to wait till they make a movie, which will never happen. So I guess I'm missing out. TV's better than movies right now. You got shows like uh, Better Call Saul no, and Fargo and Game of Thrones. But you know what? It's um, HBO's not TV. It's HBO. It's technically TV. Game of Thrones has 23 Emmy nominations. That's TV. Come on, man. That was their catchphrase from such a long time ago. <laughs> no, now they want to be Vintage. TV because movies have such a bad rap that they want to be TV. Are we seeing less people watch movies and more people watching these TVs because they can binge watch? I heard a, I heard a thing, man. It's a, a great thing is people love to binge watch TV shows, and it's a new thing, uh, hate watching. I might have brought it up last time. Hate watching. They love watching movies to hate characters and they can't wait to see them get killed on screen you see this in tv ser series like breaking bad walking dead um game of thrones uh, this is an actual thing don't we have a tv show ourselves where we watch movies we don't like and then rip them on screen and i was praying for judd hirsch to die in independence day regurgitation didn't happen though. Spoiler alert. Corey Hate watches Son a lot of, of the movies he goes to. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's not a new thing. I think that we are seeing the very slow end of movies. And I don't even know if we'll live to see it, but I think no. I no. think that it's gonna go all the direction of uh 
television style movies or maybe they're long movies made for tv but the whole idea of having a building with a bigger screen than the one in your house that you go to to watch movies is going to die a slow death no there is still something very satisfying about watching a movie for 90 minutes it only takes me 90 minutes for them to tell this fabulous story build great characters tell it appropriately start to finish leave you very like uh, deeply emotionally changed and now you're on back to life you know what I mean? I, right. I think there's. I think it's going to be a change where people don't want to watch a uh, hundred and eighty-five, forty-two minute episodes of something because it literally consumed their whole life. Now I'm with Ryan on this one. Actually, Steven Spielberg predicted this that there would be an implosion in the film industry because you have all these movies costing two, three hundred million dollars. They have to make one point five billion to to reach a profit. And people are going to stop going because they're all the same and they're all getting kind of boring. Whereas TV, you're getting the more innovative stuff. No, but the irony is, is we saw this happen in comic books about 20 years ago. And it's happening now in movies, I think, too. But no, but this is what I'm saying it was with, with uh, streaming television series. Now you're getting you're getting lower uh, uh, fun, like lower budget movies, independent filmmakers. They can make their movies and put it on these channels where people can watch them. They get that enjoyment of an original movie that doesn't have this insane budget. The only way these guys are getting exposed exposure is because it's on a, 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 a smaller streaming service and now you're seeing all these different filmmakers getting their shot because all these filmmakers they don't get a shot at doing television on HBO they just it doesn't happen so I'm thinking you're going to get more movies um, are, are they all better and great probably not you're probably gonna have to sift through a lot of white noise but I think you will see more movies no I think you're getting more TV because you've got so many channels that need content look at AMC desperate for content right they've got walking dead they've got talking walking dead they got talking about talking the walking dead like and they got preacher like they're desperate they'll, they'll take almost anything if some guy came along and said i want to do a 10-part miniseries on the oj trial well that's a dumb idea let's do it it was one of the most popular things on tv this past year do you and it was excellent do you think they'd pick up the screening room here's hoping we've been on the air for eight years how does that happen i just hope they don't remake us with an all-female cast oh man who would play richie Oh, man. <laughs> Melania oh, man. Trump. Melania Trump is Richie Roy. Well, <laughs> oh, man. Can, can it be ScarJo? Can she be me? <laughs> I would love it if she was me. Um, l- listen. No, I'm thinking Rosie O'Donnell. Listen, I'm, I'm just saying. There's <laughs> Outspoken. Uh... No, that's not happening. I've seen her plenty on Match Game, and she can stay over there. I like, wa- <laughs> I like watching her on Match Game. And it works for me. There's a reboot of a TV show that I think has had a lot of great success so far, and they should keep doing it. It's been long enough. Enough time has passed between original and remake that it, it works. Same with Ghostbusters. Same with a lot of things. Yeah. Anyways, you know uh, uh, it, It's been fun chatting with you guys. I, we're going to have to leave it there for now because uh, uh, this could go on for infinite. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Corey Morissette, Ryan Janke, myself, Rich Roy. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Tell your friends, uh, TSR Podcast, uh, yeah. and watch, check out the screening room on Access 7, too, where we re- review the movies in full, yeah. and, and you don't get all this extra blabbering from... Remember that, Richie's all about that base. Right. Check us out uh, next week when we'll hopefully have Mike Judge. <laughs> and Kevin Smith. We're still trying to get him. 